Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. Amen. I'm so glad that you're here. And uh, if you didn't know, I did preach part one, the first service, and there's CDs, a free podcast on the New Beginning site. You can watch it on the YouTube channel for free, and uh, it'll be a blessing to you. It laid a foundation for where we're going in the second service, which is uh, we're talking about the end times. Bible prophecy. And it's important that we gain some knowledge about what the Lord's plans are uh, for the end of the age. And that's why I entitled this message, There's a New World Coming. Amen. Amen. Bam, there it is. I can, we're, we're, we're in the space shuttle. But uh, <clears throat> the Bible teaches in Romans... Uh, Romans 8, that the whole world has been groaning for our final redemption. We have the promise of a full and final redemption, but we're still in this world, and we still have to go through things, and we're still battling things. But there is a time coming when the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come back, and he's going to rule and reign out of Jerusalem, and uh, we'll talk more about this, this morning, but Right now, uh, the whole world is uh, groaning for the final redemption, just like the birth pangs in a childbirth. And every believer is or should be watching for the coming of the Lord. And part of watching for the coming of the Lord is paying attention to what's going on in our world. And pay attention on what God is saying about the end of the world, the end of the age. A judgment day is coming. We want to be judged wonderfully. We want to be judged marvelously. We want to be found doing the right things. And so it's important that we, we understand what those things are and what the signs are. In the first service, we talked about some of these birth pangs. And they're telling us the time is getting closer and closer. There's international signs. There's heavenly signs. There's cultural signs. And there's tribulation signs. And they're happening more and more frequently. And these birth pangs are signs that the Messiah's kingdom is about to be birthed. God is about to birth something, and it's going to be a whole new world, and it's going to be a wonderful world. Amen. An excellent picture of what's coming is what God set in motion in Egypt at the first Passover. He fulfilled a great promise to Abraham. 400 years before the first Passover, God promised Abraham that even though Israel would go into exile and they would experience great turmoil and great tribulation, that there would also be a great redemption. 
And uh, you obviously know the story. You saw the movie, Charlton Heston, right? (laughs) The world had been taken over by Pharaoh. All of his cronies were in place. They were the superpower. And uh, in order to get Israel set free and fully redeemed, uh, Egypt, Pharaoh, the whole world, as it were, had to go through a redemption process. And those were birth pangs, the plagues, the warnings that Moses gave, the plagues that everyone went through. These were birth pangs. And God used an ever-increasing amount of warnings and plagues until finally Pharaoh came to the point let my, where the, he let God's people go. And so just in the, the Passover redemption, there's going to be a final redemption, but the devil and his cronies are not going to relinquish their control and what they have right now. The world is the, uh, belongs to God. This is our Father's world, Amen. But the devil came in and took dominion and authority in the Garden of Eden from Adam. And until now, even though that the work on the cross, that Christ came and conquered the devil, we're still not fully redeemed from his work, the devil's work. And so there's coming a judgment day. And there's going to be signs, birth pangs. And these things are going to intensify the closer we get to the return of the Lord. But even though out there things are going to intensify and get worse and worse and worse, God's people have a promise. God's people have the promise of salvation and deliverance and protection because of the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? Pharaoh was conquered. Satan, along with sin and death, were conquered. And the godless rulers and nations in these last days that refuse and rebel against the Lord, they will also be conquered. Amen. Amen? And so even though things do intensify, we're going to see the victory. That's why we always joke and say, we're not going home with a moan, we're going out with a shout. shout. Come on, somebody. Now, no one can predict exactly when the rapture will happen. I talked about this in the first service. There are signs, uh, and those signs are becoming more and more obvious. May God give you and I eyes to see and ears to hear what the Word of God says and what the Spirit is doing. And uh, you've heard about Pastor Larry's new book coming out, uh, The Seven Living Prophecies. And one of the things that he uh, talks about in the book, one of the prophecies, one of the key signs of the return of the Lord has already happened. And that's uh, happened in 1948 when Israel became a nation. And Jesus said it this way in Matthew 24, 34. He said, Assuredly, I say to you, 
This generation will by no means pass away till all these things, all these signs take place. And guess what? You and I are that generation. Jesus is coming soon. Amen? But what we're seeing and and the, the image that we need to have, the picture we need to have, is this isn't the devil's work at the end times. This is God's work. We're experiencing and we'll see a great jubilee happening where everything that is going on in the world, it's going to be returned to its rightful owner. That's why there's a groaning. That's why there's a fight. The devil sees control in the garden and now he has dominion and authority. He, and most of that is imposed by deception and lies. He's the father of all lies, right? And he's trying to hang on and create his version of a new world. But because you have to look at revelation and end times and Bible prophecy uh, in the right way, look at it as a great jubilee. Those things that were stolen, those things that were taken away, those things that were lost, those things that uh, you know, uh, had no possession of, all of a sudden is going to revert back to you. This world is going to revert back to the Lord, and there's going to be a great celebration. God is going to restore divine order. Amen. Amen. And those that serve the Lord are going to experience salvation and deliverance and blessing exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ever imagine. Amen. Amen. But as we uh, uh, got into this uh, in the first service, those who refuse to follow the Lord, those that rebel against him, They're going to miss out on the rapture. And they're going to go into seven years of what the Bible calls the tribulation. The saints, you and I, we're going to be raptured, caught up in the clouds, in the air, and forever be with the Lord. And for seven years, we'll be going through a a lot of fun things at the marriage supper of the Lamb. But those seven years in heaven will be paralleled by seven years of tribulation here on planet earth. And uh, breaking news, don't miss the rapture. Don't be caught unawares and don't be caught pitching your tent on the wrong side of the river. You need to make a decision now. Part of the signs, the birth pangs, are to encourage you and inspire you to live for the Lord. To make a decision that as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. The great tribulation, we got into it a little bit in the first service. It's the time of the Antichrist. It's the time of the mark of the beast, 666, the false prophets, and just an ever-increasing and intensifying uh, 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 number of plagues and devastating events, all meant to 
uh, judge those that refuse and rebel. And this uh, tribulation time is when Satan pulls out all the stops. And what he's trying to do is impose a counterfeit system. He has plans for a one-world government just like the Lord has plans for a one-world government. Only you're not going to like the devil's plan. If you get left behind and you miss the rapture, and you find yourself down on the ground while we've been raptured into heaven, you're going to not like the one world government that the devil has planned. He has a new world coming, and the Lord has a new world coming. And as hard as he and his group of godless elites and emperors try to force people into bowing their knee to that deceitful system, they're going to utterly fail. But they're going to go kicking and screaming. Because at the end of the day, there is only one true one world government. Amen. And it's going to be run by Jesus Christ himself. And his headquarters are going to be in Jerusalem. And there's going to be a complete and total and godly restoration. Amen. Revelation 17, 14 speaks of this. This is from the Amplified. It says, they will wage war against the Lamb, Christ. And the Lamb will triumph and conquer them because he is the Lord of lords and King of kings. And those who are with him and on his side are the called and the chosen, the elect and the faithful. Anybody in here this morning on the Lord's side? Come on, somebody. At home, are you in the Lord's side? Amen? So there's a new world coming for believers. And that new world starts with the rapture. It's seven years in heaven. And then... At the end of those seven years at the marriage supper of the Lamb, what you have to realize is that we all don't uh, 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 get assigned a cloud and a harp. It's, we don't all become little cupids. We're going to return to earth, the Bible says. After those seven years, we've been in heaven. The world's gone through this great tribulation and the judgment and wrath of God. And then that we're coming back from heaven with Jesus Christ as our leader on that great white horse, the conquering king. He came the first time as a suffering servant. The second time he returns, he'll be as a conquering king. And you and I will be part of the army of God and we'll come back to rule and reign on planet earth for 1,000 years. And that's called the Sabbath millennium. This is when we rule the planet. So right now I'm looking around and those of you at home, there's mayors, there's governors, there's leaders that God is going to raise up and appoint to be heads of areas and territories. I don't know if we'll still have the, the same nation boundaries and states and things like that, but I do know this, we will be ruling and reigning. 
and we don't have time to get into all the dynamics of what the uh, world looks like. But I can tell you this, it'll be the time of great peace great prosperity. It'll be the most wonderful, magnificent time uh, that you and I could ever have during this thousand year reign. Amen. Amen. And, uh, you know, as I was putting these notes together, I came across something that helps describe what this thousand year reign of the Messiah will look like. And interestingly enough, did you know that the Christmas carol, Joy to the World, was originally written not about the birth of Christ, but it was written about the return of Christ at his second coming. And so we sing Joy to the World now, and we do it every Christmas, and it's a good thing, and uh, we have a great time singing it. But it was really written, the author, Isaac Watts, wrote that in order to talk about what's coming. There's a new world coming. Don't miss what God is doing. Don't get left behind. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. Let heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world. Amen. So the world will go through trials and tribulations, birth pangs. And one of the key reasons that God does that is because he's not willing that any should perish. God is a God of love. God is a God of salvation. God is a God of deliverance, a God of blessing a God of joy and peace, all these wonderful things. And he doesn't want anyone to miss out. So all of these things happen to arrest our attention and realize there are things happening that are far beyond my control. God, I give my life to you. I pledge my allegiance to you. I choose to serve you. And I trust that your word is true. And every promise is yes and amen to me including the rapture, right? And so I had a, a, a professor in Bible college that, that would tell us, and I've always remembered this, that the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, the more plain and simple God is going to make it for you and I to decide what side we're on. Are you on the devil's side, the world's side, your own side, or are you on the Lord's side? Well, I don't want to be on anybody's side. Uh, You just, it don't work that way. Because as Bob Dylan once wrote years and years ago, it might be the devil or it might be the Lord, but you're going to serve somebody. So... Right now, looking around our world, oh my gosh, the pandemic, the economic and political and social turmoil, all of this stuff is just, uh, it just looks crazy to us, right? And the Bible calls this perilous times. When I was putting my notes together, I went back to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. 
verse 1 because in 2 Timothy 3, that chapter lays out a scenario of what the world will look like just before the return of the Lord. And verse 1 begins with, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. Perilous times. Look at this phrase with me, perilous times. One of my favorite books, I use it all the time. It's, it's actually an amazing 365-day devotional. It's called Sparkling Gems by Pastor Rick Renner. And in this particular book, real thick book, it's like an encyclopedia, he meticulously goes through hundreds of scriptures, breaking down the individual words and what they mean. And when you're reading and going through this, you just end up taking away a deeper and fuller and richer meaning of what God's trying to tell us and what God wants us to know. And so when uh, the Apostle Paul says, know this, it means I'm about to tell you something so critical that it must be known and recognized and acknowledged. Whatever the Holy Spirit is about to say, it is so important that hearing it is not optional. It must be known and understood. He's talking about the last days. He's talking about what we're going to face in the last days. And it's so important understanding what the Spirit of the Lord is saying is so important you can't miss it. Because if you overlook it and you miss it, it might be detrimental to your spiritual health. So then the apostle tells us what we need to know. Perilous times are coming. We're going to see birth pangs intensify in our world just before Jesus returns. And the word perilous here is only used in the New Testament twice. It describes spoken words that are hurtful and harsh and cruel and ruthless, cutting, wounded, and therefore hard to bear. We see that now. There's a cancel culture out there. There's a Twitter mob out there. There's all kinds of back and forth hateful speech. And people are getting wrapped up into all of that, drawn into all of that. And we're, we as believers, we have to be careful we don't take on an angry spirit. If we take on the spirit of the world, we can't reflect the love of God. Amen? And suddenly we find ourselves saying hurtful and harsh and cruel and ruthless cutting things. That'll divide a family. That'll divide a church. That'll divide a nation. And it'll be hard to bear. But uh, Pastor Renner uh, points out something real interesting, that this word, perilous times, is also used to describe animals dangerous animals and you can find this greek word of perilous used to describe vicious ferocious uncontrollable and dangerous animals 
See, the devil wants you to begin to act, you and I to begin to act like animals and just treat people viciously, harmfully, dangerously, without any control, without any reservation, and just go after one another. Because the devil comes to sow discord and make accusations and always try to defame and discredit and destroy what God wants to do. And especially what God wants to do in our lives. Right? The only other time that the New Testament uses this word perilous is in Matthew 8.28. And in Matthew 8, 28, this is where the Bible describes two demon-possessed men. And the scripture says, And when he was come to the other side into the country of the Gadarenes, there met him two possessed with devils, coming out of the tombs exceedingly fierce, so that no man might pass that way. And this is the culture of the perilous times. And even now as the birth pangs are rolling out and things are intensifying, you and I can tell just by watching, man, this is demonic. What's going on is not of God. And these people that that are reflecting the nature of the enemy, the adversary, the devil, are exceedingly fierce. It's growing more fierce by the day. 2 Timothy could actually mean, 2 Timothy 3.1, you could actually say it this way. This is what Pastor Renner writes in his devotional. He says, you emphatically must know what I'm about to tell you. In the last days, periods of time will come that are hurtful, harmful, dangerous, unpredictable, uncontrollable, and high risk. Our job is not to get caught up in that. We've not been called to have an angry, uncontrollable, harmful, hurtful spirit. That's not what God saved us for, to become like that. And yet in the devil's world and under his government, this is going to be the norm. You just... Look around right now at all the rebellion. There are right now at work in society secular humanist organizations that could care less about the Bible. They could care less about God. And they are working 24-7 to upturn everything that's been established. That's why, I don't know if you, you saw, that's why the other day while I was preparing this message... I said, I'm getting a t-shirt. Church is essential. Amen? Church is essential. The audacity of leaders in America to to, uh, uh, categorize church as non-essential. If that isn't persecution, if that isn't hurtful and harmful, if that isn't politics out of control, I don't know what is. Because let me tell you something, church is essential and you are essential. As a believer and part of the family of God, you are essential. Amen. 
right? But ungodly politicians, corporate leaders, humanist organizations, they've all gotten together. Whether they all are on the same email chain or they just know it by mental telepathy, they are under the influence, dominion, and authority of the spirit of Antichrist. And they're proclaiming what we're proclaiming. There's a new world coming, but it's not the one promised by Jesus. If you go on, this is out of the Passion Translation, 2 Timothy 3.1. Paul tells us, you need to be aware that in the final days, the culture of society will become extremely fierce and difficult for the people of God. Why? Because religious freedom is under attack. Freedom of speech is under attack. The, the things that we cherish as being one nation of God are under attack. And Jesus said, you need to start pushing back in your prayer life, in how we live our lives as believers. It's no longer good enough just to play church, just to come for 60 minutes and put my time card in so God will accept me and be proud of me. It's time that we take on a spirit that we're going to occupy and we're going to take spiritual dominion and we're going to push back. Amen. How many of y'all know that we're in a battle? It's called spiritual warfare and we need to fight the good fight of faith. And as long as we're on this earth, as long as the rapture has not happened, you and I are going to keep preaching the gospel, keep sharing the good news, keep doing our part to make the world a better place. Amen. And the devil's going to make it difficult for us to do that. Verse 2, 2 Timothy 3, 2, people will be self-centered, lovers of themselves, and obsessed with money. They will boast of great things as they strut around in their arrogant pride and mock all that's right. They'll ignore their own families. They'll be ungrateful and ungodly. They will become addicted to hateful and malicious slander. Slaves to their desires, they'll be ferocious and belligerent haters of what is good and right. With brutal treachery, they will act without restraint, bigoted, and wrapped in clouds of their conceit. They will find their delight in the pleasures of this world more than the pleasures of the loving God. They may pretend to have a respect for God, but in reality, they want nothing to do with God's power. Stay away from people like this. Don't get swept away in the culture war and become on Twitter, social media, it, 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 wherever you're at, and become what this description is telling us. It's quite a narrative. And God said, you need to know this. Because once you start realizing this, then you start making decisions. What side am I going to be on? Am I going to live for God and take on his qualities and attributes? Or am I going to get swept away and start being brutish, harsh, cruel, hateful? 
It's a clear line being drawn in the sand. And God is saying, choose this day who you will serve. Are you choosing to live for the Lord? Or are you choosing to live for the devil? Are you still in favor of biblical lifestyles? Or we need to change that. God, we need to change what you wrote in the Bible. Uh, Do you have any whiteout? Do you share in God's definition of normal? Come on, somebody. Are you still in favor of being one nation under God? Now let's blow it all up and tear it down and replace it with what? You don't want to know what the devil's going to replace it with. Are you being led by the spirit of the Antichrist? Are you being led by the spirit of all those enemies of God and they're on TV, they're in our music, they're on social media, they're trying to tell you there's a better way. But the Bible says that there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end of it ends in death. How many of you this morning are glad that you're being led by the spirit of the Lord? Amen. Amen. Come on. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. The Holy Spirit has explicitly revealed at the end of this age, many will depart from the true faith one after another. Devoting themselves to spirits of deception and following demon-inspired revelations and theories. Hypocritical liars will deceive many and their consciences won't bother them at all. God, open the eyes of our understanding. Help us to rise above deception. Help us to walk in a level of discernment and sensitivity of the Holy Spirit so we don't get swept away and miss the rapture and get left behind. Come on, somebody. Even the traditional church in America and around the world are changing what they believe. God's word isn't good enough anymore. Leaders and congregation members used to express their love for the Lord, but now they're changing their views and allegiances. But they still go to church. They become, become they, uh, they, uh, they're now supporting activities that at the root is deception and dishonesty and will lead to all manner of evil and turmoil and strife. See, the thing you got to realize is not every voice, not every movement advocating for political change and social justice and equality for all men, they're not in it for God. We believe all men are created equal. We believe that all men, women, and kids are created in the image and likeness of God. We believe there's one cross for all colors. One blood shed for every nation of people, every background of people. We believe that. And we believe the love of God is how men come to repentance. 
Not by coercion and threats and intimidations. Come on. In many cases, the loudest voices on the world stage right now have a rebellious spirit. They have hidden agendas. I didn't see that coming. Their loyalties are not to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. 2 Corinthians 11.14 says, Even Satan transforms himself to appear as an angel of light. In other words, the devil is a master deceiver. And he's trying to get you and I to buy into a counterfeit system. And he's using pagan, humanistic, religious ideas to redefine our Judeo-Christian value system. We're people of the Word, people of the Bible, people of Jesus Christ. All backgrounds, all colors, all nations. Jesus said in Matthew 24, many false prophets are going to rise up and deceive many. That's not just religious prophets. That's TV prophets, sidewalk prophets. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. The love of many, even in the church. Secular humanism, atheism, Marxism, socialism, communism, they're the religion of the Antichrist. It's cold, it's vicious, it's fierce. You probably don't know this, but just in the 20th century, the entire body of work of Marxism, socialism, and communism has seen more people killed than in any previous century and probably every century added together. 262 million victims. And they promise a new world. But it's a trap. There's not going to be a utopian society without Jesus at the head of it. It's a counterfeit system, and you need to know this. The Bible says you must know this above all else. What side are you on? What side are you pitching your tent? Who are you pledging your allegiance to? I never thought about it. Think about it. I was reading up on this. God gave me this message a couple weeks ago, so I've had lots of time to think about it. And I discovered that one of the devious methods being implemented right now is called the critical theory. The critical theory. And it was designed by Marxists as a tactic to destabilize and eventually transform Western nations by disrupting and destroying our history and institutions. Regardless of the facts, regardless of the circumstances, the strategy, the critical theory strategy, calls for criticizing everything. Throw the baby out with the bathwater. And it, it, it's amazing, but their goal is not to solve actual problems. This just stunned me. The whole strategy is not to solve problems. They don't want to solve the problem. 
But they want to use the problems to maintain pressure and controversy until our Bible way of life is completely wiped off the map. And they want to convert it into a new world. See, in their plan, the demands and the accusations will never stop. You can even give in to it. I apologize. I'm sorry. That's not the goal. Is to, the, the goal isn't to forgive you. The goal is to keep up the attack and continue to criticize. Even when you give in, it'll never be enough. This is what Paul is warning us. The Bible says in the last days, periods of time will come that are hurtful and harmful and dangerous, unpredictable, uncontrollable, and high risk. The critical theory. And at the end of it, it's so that you live under a spirit of condemnation. You'll never be accepted. You'll never do anything right. We'll continue to harp on you and criticize you. And even when you bow your knee to that system, it won't be enough. That's why we bow our knee to one. The one true God. Amen. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the truth is that in Christ there is no condemnation. Your sins are forgiven. You don't need a man to absolve you of any sin, especially sins you didn't commit. The truth is God's love and God's plan can never be reversed or canceled or negated. The truth is everyone that calls on the name of the Lord will be forgiven and accepted and saved. The truth of the matter is there's one cross for all colors. And now that you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're in the family. There's not a bunch of different families in the kingdom. When we all get to heaven, we'll all, there will be no social distancing. When we go to the marriage supper of the Lamb, we're going to be singing and rejoicing and worshiping the Lord. Every color, every creed, every background. Baptists and Catholics and Charismatics and black and white. It doesn't matter. There's just one God. There's one family of God. And the devil is trying to divide us so he can conquer us, but we're not. New beginnings ain't going to let it happen. We're going to stand in the gap for the world that God has planned. And we'll all share in the blessing together. Revelation 3.10 says, Because you have obeyed my command to persevere, I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world and by extension, who belongs to God. As for me and my house, as for you and your house, at home for you and your, we're going to serve the Lord. So why do we study these things? So that you can have a serious conversation about what type of family you want to have. What kind of society you want to have? 
For those of us that are believers, we wanted a society built on love and peace and goodness and blessing. Judeo-Christian people are being challenged to, to back down. Back down on your faith. Don't say anything about Jesus in the public square. You've got no right to say anything about Jesus. We want your freedom of speech silenced. The devil is a liar. How many of you care about righteous things, godly things, holy things, biblical things? Well, we got to realize we better choose our side quickly. And you have. I'm preaching to the choir, so sing amen. Amen. (laughs) In these last days, we're going to have to operate with a spiritual warfare mindset. Okay? But what we often overlook about spiritual warfare is walking in love. We, we think it's binding the devil, and it is. We think we're casting down strongholds. And, and yeah, okay, I'm there for that. I believe that. But love is the bottom line. Right? Love is the bottom line. The Bible says God is love. And we're to overcome evil with good. In God's kingdom, nothing else counts as much as loving one another. They will know you are my disciples because why? You have love for one another. No greater love does one have than he laid down his life for his friends. We're a church family. We're supposed to learn how to be friends with one another. We're not supposed to, boy, I'm sure glad they put in social distancing because I don't want to sit next to those people. That's not the way of love. Living a life ruled by God's love is what powers your life. If you can't walk in love, you can't walk in any power. You can't enjoy the blessing of the Lord at its highest levels if you're a mean Christian. And everything we're seeing on TV now is teaching people how to be mad. How to be offended, how to be angry, how to lash out and get revenge. That's not the way of the Christian. Galatians 5, 6 says, your faith only works by love. In short, you can't go anywhere spiritually or in your relationship with God or each other. You can't change the world if you don't have love. No wonder the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim, your great quest. Now, even if we didn't grow up in a loving home, now God is your father. Who's your daddy? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jehovah, the Almighty One. I'm in his family now. Yeah, but you're in the, yeah, but all of that is secondary. The main thing is you're in the family of God now. And God's family operates under love. 
You can't maintain a close relationship with the Lord without love. Right? If there's any trouble or struggle in someone's life, it can almost inevitably be traced back to your lacking love. Because without love, there's no forgiveness. Right? Without love, there's no peace. Without love, there's no reconciliation. There's no restoration. Without love, you might get a trickle of blessing here and there. How come it's not working, Pastor Scott? Check your love walk. Are you just blurting out things? Are you just making ungodly statements on social? When I, boy, when I get on my Facebook, I'm going to let them people have it. In Jesus' name. You know the love chapter. 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. Verse 4, 1 Corinthians 13, 4, talks about love. Love is large. It's not this little light of mine anymore. This little love of mine. No, it's this large love of mine. I'm going out of my way to be a blessing. It's incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect, nor selfishly seeks its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter. It never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat because it never gives up love. Amen. So what is the Christian response to perilous times? Walk in love. And I just put down a couple thoughts, five things about walking in love. Number one, decide to walk in forgiveness. You can't build a life, a family, a nation, or a future based on hate. Getting revenge. I forgive you. When Jesus Christ walked to the cross, he said, he said Father, what? They did the worst and most horrific things to our Lord and Savior, and yet he showed us the way. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Number two, decide to watch your words. Speak life. Remember the Toby Mac song? Speak life. Speak life. And especially speak life to the darkness out there. To your family. Y'all got family members that need to serve the Lord and they've backslidden or never really made that confession? Speak life over them. Speak resurrection power over them. Speak salvation and deliverance over them. Use your free speech to speak love. 
Amen? Number three, decide not to be offended. Don't wear your feelings on your sleeve just looking for a reason to get back at somebody and lash out at somebody. Don't wait to be hurt. Don't look forward to living your life as a victim. God's got a great destiny for us. Come on, somebody. But if all you do is live an offended life and you're mad about everything, you're not going to get the breakthrough. You're not going to get the blessing. Number four, decide to work the word. Work the word. The Bible is more than just a good book with dust on it. Right? It's our lifeline to a blessing. If we want to live the blessed life, we've got to live a word life. Someone once said, what I do with the word will determine what the word will do with me. What I do with the word will determine what the word will do with me. And number five, decide to love one another. I love you, man. I love you, man. And woe, man. First John 4, 7 and 8. Remember that song? It's a scripture. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. For God is love. We're in the last days, folks. Out there, things are getting fierce. Things are getting unruly. Things are getting dangerous because the devil is doing everything he can to hang on and impose his counterfeit system on the world. And people are falling for it. They're being deceived and confused. That's why you and I need to be rooted and grounded in love, rooted and grounded in the word. Yes. Amen. And so Jesus, as I just said, he was beaten, he was mocked, he was scorned, yet he walked all the way to the cross in love. And then in love, he went all the way to the gates of hell to destroy the works of the devil. And then he walked all the way into a resurrected life. And that resurrected life is something that each of us have a hold on. Each of us have a right to and a share in living a resurrected life, an overcoming life, a blessed life built on all the biblical qualities of love and peace and joy. That's God's plan for us. And that's the kind of new world we're about ready to inherit. It's coming soon. A new world is coming soon. Don't miss it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord a praise and stand to your feet as we close. I want to pray over us. Come on, somebody. My house shall be called what? Our nation needs prayer. Our nation is going through it. The world is going through it. And some of it is just destined to be. Because of the things that we've talked about. 
But our calling isn't just to sit back and let it all happen. Our calling is submit to God, resist the devil, and make him flee. Right? Our calling is to occupy until the Lord returns. That's what we're called to do and so much more. But as we just wrap things up today, I want you to begin, if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit and you have the evidence of praying in tongues and praying in your heavenly language, just right where you're at, begin softly to pray in other tongues. If you've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and you've never prayed in that heavenly language, pray in English. And just agree, put your heart and my heart together and let's agree, let's come together so our nation will repent and our nation will see revival and our nation will see forgiveness and our nation will see a breakthrough. Come on. Father, we love you this morning and give you worship and praise. You're such a good God and a gracious Father. And we want to thank you for our forgiveness, for eternal life. Father, we want to thank you, Lord, that you promised us that a new world is coming. And it's going to be a marvelous world, a wonderful world, a world that is ruled by the Messiah. And we don't want to miss what you're about to do. But while we're here waiting for that precious day, that judgment day, that day of reward and celebration, Father, we want to intercede for our families, our nation. We want to intercede for the world. And Father, we ask you for forgiveness, God, that you would move in our lives, in our nation, and around the world. And Father, that you would re uh, rebuke and cancel that spirit of pride and arrogance, that spirit of racism, division, and prejudice. God, that you would intervene supernaturally, Father, and just uh, uh, turn situations around like the crime and the violence and the murder. We repent that we've allowed that to happen, that immorality, that divorce, that child abuse. Father, we stand in the gap that you would reverse those curses in America. We repent of our sins and we release the power of God, the honor and respect towards God. We release a hunger and a thirst for righteousness upon our families, our loved ones, our sons and daughters and nieces and nephews, our aunts and uncles, our moms and dads, our grandmas and grandpas, our extended family, God, loosen a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, loosen upon them, Father God, that desire for biblical morality, that desire, Lord, to receive a fresh anointing, that desire for family family love and peace and unity. Let there be racial unity, racial healing, especially in the church, oh God. Let there be a revival come to America, a great spiritual awakening come to America. Let everything that the devil is meant for evil be cast down. Behold, I see Satan fall as lightning to the ground. Every stronghold is broken. Every blessing is released and we will see one nation under God until the coming of the Lord. And we give you all the thanks and praise for it in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen this morning and amen. If you believe that and agree with that, give the Lord a big hand clap. Hallelujah. Praise be to God.
Well, we uh, don't receive an offering as we have typically uh, done. No passing of the buckets. But we need your support with your tithe and offerings. You at home, we need your support. We're still doing great things. We're preaching the gospel around the world. We're buying an ambulance right now in Israel. And we're about ready to sponsor a plane of persecuted Jews coming out of the Ukraine. And that's uh, scheduled for September. We're doing things locally in the community. God bless Pastor Wanderson and his team. All the things that you guys are helping get accomplished uh, right here in the the Metroplex. But we thank you. And just uh, as you leave in the back, there's offering containers, a Stedka box. Help us be a blessing. We love you guys. Turn and tell somebody, I love you, man or woman. We do. We love one another, and we thank you. Have a great week. You at home, have a great week, a great day. God loves you, and we love you.